Hello, my lovely people. This is Megan Spaeth, acupuncturist and eternal student of all things mind, body, spirit, medicine. And I am back. I'm here continuing my quest to educate on all the beauty and the power of Chinese medicine. I try to take this deep ancient medicine and make it understandable and usable for your daily lives. I apologize for my long absence. I never meant to take such a long break from recording a podcast. In truth, it's been a very challenging year for me. Um, As so many challenges do, a lot of them turned out wonderfully, but it's been really busy. My acupuncture practice, Jersey Shore Acupuncture, has been busier than ever. We're seeing so many patients and we took on an amazing new acupuncturist, Dr. Caroline Kylie, and we have opened a secondary space. It's a temporary space since January. We've been in the process of trying to open a bigger space in a different location. And there's been so much drama with landlords and lawyers and realtors and real estate and all the township ordinances and it's been a lot it's going to be amazing in the end but just certainly time consuming and within the practice we health insurances in the beginning of this year I don't know what happened but if you're an acupuncturist in New Jersey I'm sure you're with me that they've just been more complicated than ever and We've had a big learning curve and have spent a massive amount of time and energy going into that. So professionally, there's a lot going on. It's all turning out great in the end, actually, but just took any extra time that I did have away from me, away from this passion project. But I have been thinking about the podcast every single day and literally every day about all the things I want to share. I just didn't really have the time or make the time to put it all together and get it out to you all. And in any leftover time I've had, I've been studying a lot. I took a stones class with Jeffrey Wen this year in April, and it was really incredible. Um, It's very deep in Chinese medicine. It's a form of herbalism. It's this earth itself is medicine. So it is not very uh, quick study. So I've been spending a lot of time trying to integrate that into my life, my self-healing, into my practice. Um, I'll definitely share some of that in podcasts later on, but I have certainly been studying the medicine a lot and also was learning more about end-of-life care. Um, My dog a few months ago got diagnosed with cancer and it's been very challenging. Um, he passed away a few weeks ago and it's been really the saddest thing I've been through in my life. Um, I've been very blessed or fortunate. I haven't really lost anyone extremely close to me before. I lost my grandparents and beloved uncle. And of course those were so sad, but I wasn't spending a lot of my time and my life with these people. They didn't live close to me. And, um, I have certainly grieved deeply with loved ones with who have lost their really close family members, 
But myself, I mean, personally, the most grief I've had was with my miscarriages. One was extremely challenging and sad. Um, But other than that, I haven't experienced that much loss, fortunately. And in no way do I want to compare losing a pet to losing, you know, a, a life partner, a child, someone very close to you, a parent. But just for me, this has been one of the saddest things that I've been through. You know, if you've lost a pet before, you know, this pain is really deep. My husband and I got him when he was a puppy. My husband and I were newly married. I got puppy fever. We wanted to adopt and a dog. And I went on the adoption sites and there happened to be a litter of puppies in the town where we lived. We lived in Monmouth beach at the time. And there were such cute puppies and I saw them, their pictures online. And I knew which one was going to be ours. And I don't know why I just knew it. And I showed it to Tim and I'm like, this is ours. And he's like, we'll see, we'll see. So we went and we didn't know which dogs were which from the pictures until they told us the names. And of course, the one we really connected with was our dog who we went on to name him Gus. Um, so he was like our first baby together. You know, we, we raised him and nurtured him and loved him so deeply. And he, you know, puppies, I mean, puppies are a lot and we got to, you know, in those first few years, it's a lot. They're so darn cute, but it's, you know, it's a challenge. And then when they're a couple years old, then they get into this sweet spot, right? If you've worked hard to train them and they're just like the best. So we moved to a new house. And when he was three, we had my son, my oldest, and he was obviously our family member, you know, this animal, this soul comes to live in your home and you create this pact, this agreement together to care for one another, to provide for one another. And it was really such a gift to come home every day to this, you know, unconditional love, not just love, but adoration, like dogs adore their humans. And as a healer, as a parent, my husband's a teacher, we're giving out so much energy on a daily basis. And it's such a gift to have this soul in your home that just gives like, yes, they need some food. They need some care. They'd love a little extra care, like a walk. And, but ultimately like you just feed them and be with them and they just give so much in return. So it was truly a blessing to have him in our home. Um, Gus would have been 12 in September, but he got sick. He got some form of cancer. We didn't take him to an oncologist, but it was some sort of bone marrow cancer, not quite leukemia, not quite lymphoma. Um, but just watching his body fail and knowing that he didn't understand why it was so challenging. And I felt such a sense of anxiety, this sense of responsibility, like, when you euthanize an animal, it's merciful. It's giving them this graceful, peaceful exit from the pain they're experiencing. And I knew that, but I also felt like 
how do I play God? Like, how do I decide when, and my husband and I decide when his life is over? And it was hard because I really believe that there's a lot the dying process has to offer. It's this time when we get to, I think, look back and we get to let go. And our dog, he was very high energy, which often leads to some anxiety. So through his life, he had some fears and some anxiety, but those last few months, he was incredibly calm. And I think that the dying process gave him the ability to let go of some of these unnecessary worries. You know, as humans, if you've had a health scare in the past, or if someone in your family has had a health scare in the past, during that and after that, it's so grounding. You're like, as long as we have our health, that's really all that matters. And I think in the process and the painful process of dying, we learn to let go of some of those unnecessary fears. And, um, Jeffrey, Yuen always talks about how, when we die, we get an opportunity. And I know some, I've read this other places too, where we, you like watch a movie of your life and we look over and see everything we've done and any unfinished business becomes a seed for a future incarnation. So anything we feel like, oh man, I should not have done that, or I should have done that better, or I want to experience more of this, or I didn't get to experience enough of that, then those things all become seeds for a future incarnation. And we have to come back and experience it again, learn it again, learn it better, complete it until we can feel like like it's done and we've learned what we could from it or what we needed to. So there's some beauty in the dying process. And when there's a sudden death, I think it's hard, especially for the people who love them, who didn't get to help them through that process. So I do feel grateful that we had a few months, even though it was painful to see him in pain. I feel very grateful that I had that time with him to care for him and help him as he passed on. And I hope he had the time to let go of what he could from this lifetime so he doesn't have to take it into the next. And I had heard Jeffrey talk about human reincarnation, but I couldn't remember hearing him talk specifically about animal reincarnation. So I asked him and I told him like, I was in so much pain watching his body die and I knew I needed to focus on his spirit and on the wonder of what happens next. So I asked him if animals reincarnate and if so, if they reincarnate into the same or a different species or do they typically stay as pets or into wild animals or even into humans? I asked if, you know, if humans reincarnate into animals or if there's some kind of hierarchy to work your way up where you learn the most. So I'll share what he wrote to me in hopes that it could help some of you and your loved ones who are going through the dying process. He said, while death is an inevitable process of all living phenomena, the attachments and love that we have nurtured makes the separation difficult. 
animals that have become pets or have interacted with humans on a long-term basis transform their souls into taking aspects of their caretakers and as such they become intertwined with the human soul their group consciousness becomes part of our individual consciousness as such fragments of their incomplete soul unfinished business reincarnates with other beings even humans for whatever curriculum they need to complete fragments of the human soul can also be reincarnated into animals as well so from what i understand from that obviously it's really deep um from what i undertook from it was that animals that live in the wild they're so connected with nature they're so connected to each other dependent on each other there's this circle of life so they have this group consciousness but humans are so individualized so animals who spend their lives with humans instead of with directly with nature they intertwine their more group consciousness with our human consciousness and as such become part of the human process including the reincarnation process and i was thinking okay well in this case maybe it's showing that nurture is more powerful than nature as humans are nurturing the dog and their soul is then transforming but then i was realizing that their actual nature has also changed so instead of being outside in the wild in nature now they're inside in our homes so both their nature and their nurture has changed to that of humanity so i could keep rereading those few sentences over and over and i you know it's hard to fully understand but it's fascinating and it's really helped me to shift from the pain and the loss to the wonder of what gus might be experiencing next during those last few months with Gus I tried to encourage him to feel the sense of completion to let go Jeffrey recommended the stone calcinity it's a stone that helps bring clarity in Chinese medicine it's considered a transformer stone and it was originally from silica from these blue lace agate there's these bands and over time they separate and they be, the stone becomes translucent and that's supposed to help us gain clarity the light passes through the stone as chalcedony evolves apparently it always turns into jade jade in chinese medicine is a master stone representing the stone of completion the stone of perfection So you need to see the light before you can be complete. I got Gus some of these stones and put them on his bed and tried to move them under his body so it was touching him. I got him a little bracelet that I would slip over his paw when he was resting. And I was treating him with acupuncture. There's a lot of acupuncture to help with this transitional process of death as well, and I've read some of Jeffrey's manuscripts on the topic. So I was doing those treatments and in Jeffrey's emailed to me he also recommended needling the acupuncture point bladder 60 it helps overcome fear and helps us surrender and embrace the process of transition so for those who don't know 
or the acupuncture point locations. You can just look up bladder 60 online. It's pretty easy to find actually. It's between the um, ankle bone, the big ankle bone on the outside, the external malleolus. It's between that and the Achilles. So in that depression right there. And then Jeffrey also recommended double helix water. And he said that could assist him in both the healing process and easing the pain in the process of dying. So I did purchase the water. They have double helix water for humans and also some specifically for animals. So I added it to his food. To be honest, I don't really understand what it's doing. Uh, the website says that it's stable water clusters and that it's a newly discovered form or phase of water. So there's ice, liquid, or vapor. And this they're saying is the fourth phase of water where the space between the hydrogen and the oxygen doesn't change as the temperature changes. So they say it defies the historical classification of water. So I mean, if anybody gets it or really knows more about it, please let me know. I'll have to ask Jeffrey more the next time I see him, but it was pretty fascinating. And he also recommended a stone for me to help with the grief and loss. Uh, Larimar is considered a rebuilding stone for transitional times that follow the loss of something or someone that we're have become very attached to. Larimar is supposed to help with regulating the emotions and just help that grief and that loss. And it's a really gorgeous stone. Um, I'll spell it because it's L A R I M A R and chalcedony. The stone to help with clarity is C H A L C E D O N Y. So I bought myself a Larimar bracelet. The stone is gorgeous. It's like this light blue color and there's some shades of like taupe in there. It's so pretty and it makes me feel good to wear it, but I don't know, maybe mine's broken because I certainly have been feeling so sad. Um, you know, my dog passed three weeks ago and I'm not sad for him. I know he's in the most beautiful place and he's experiencing the most divine connection and comfort. It's the sadness from the attachment, my attachment to him. And, you know, in the moments where I'm really overcome by the grief and just sobbing and repeating in my head, my baby, my baby. And of course I know he's not my child and I would never compare that. And I can't even begin to imagine the depth of that loss for parents, but he was a soul that I nurtured from his infancy and, you know, his love, his empathy, his warmth, his presence filled me up so much that now without his physical presence, it feels so empty. And many mediums tell us that heaven is right here. It's not way off in the galaxies. It's right here. It's just in a different dimension that most of us are not gifted enough to see. So I'm trying to find the balance between grieving the loss, but also trying to be aware of what I could gain if I could access enough presence and enough faith to sense that, you know, the people we lost are still right here with us and for us. And this is helpful for me because then I think of all the other divine energies around us, like my guardian angel. And I think loss does have a way 
to help us appreciate what we do have. And I don't know if it's because I've been still a lot more in this form of, you know, what we in our society might call depression, this like really low, quiet energy. There's certainly a sense of stillness in that. And in that stillness and reflection, I do feel more connected to the unseen around me. Summer is my most favorite season for so many reasons. One of them is to be outside often, especially in the evening. And I was lying on my couch on our patio. This is actually the couch that Gus always loved to lie on and the one where he actually took his last few breaths. We had an incredible vet, Dr. Robin Smith. She came to the house to perform what she called the service. And it was obviously deeply sad, but a very, very quick, beautiful, peaceful process. Um, So I was on that couch, which that spot brings me much joy and obviously much remembrance and sadness. And I was lying there and I was listening to a conversation from some other classical Chinese medicine teachers. And they were talking about the topic of the role that suffering and pain plays in our lives. And I was listening to that and I was looking at the sky and I can't describe really what I saw because I've never seen anything like it, but it was like, it looked like a strand of pearls, but there was space between each pearl. There were these like white blobs with a little bit of space between them, maybe like 10 of them. And this, the strand was just moving extremely straight across the sky and the distance between the pearls never changed, never moved, you know, like birds, you would think that they would be moving a tiny bit or, and it was way past where I've ever seen birds fly. And, you know, it was moving in a straight line, like the plane would, but it was definitely not a plane. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but I've never seen anything like it. I don't think I ever will. I was too present in awe to think to video it. But no matter what it was, it was certainly a gift. And this form of reception that we have when we're quiet, if you remember in the metal podcast, um, the lungs and the large intestine are the organs of metal, and that's the element that governs the emotion of grief. So the lungs breathe in life, and the large intestine moves out, and this process of letting go you know, when I'm grieving so much of the emphasis of my energy is on my lungs. So I don't know if it's that, that I'm feeling more reception from the natural world, certainly more than I do when I'm running around in my like oblivious comfort. Um, so it's either the emphasis on the reception of the lungs, or maybe it's just a natural gift from spirit that we receive when we're, when we're grieving but I do feel like there have been so many more moments of grace that nature has provided me in my sadness. Um, we had Gus cremated, and when we scattered his ashes, we used to live right across the street from the beach, from in Monmouth Beach, and every day we would take him to the beach, and that was the first few years of his life. And so we scattered the ashes there, and... You know, the so sad 
watching the ashes be taken out to see, you know, watching what was his physical form be returned to the earth. And my husband and I went swimming in the ocean afterwards and the reception that my senses felt in the water were so much greater than most times swimming. And the town is such a beautiful town where we live. This looks like this little strip. So there's the ocean and then you walk one block back to the river. And we used to walk there every day with him too. So we scattered some of his ashes there. And, you know, when we lived there, we would see swans every single time we were there. But, you know, swans don't, you know, they're not very social animals. They don't certainly don't like humans, but this, as we were scattering his ashes, like we could see swans that were further down. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're, I think they're coming towards us. And they were, they were swimming straight towards us. And one of them came right up to the bank where we were and was like just a couple feet away and was just looking like so quietly and so intently at us. And my husband and I were so still and we actually started backing away because after a little bit, I didn't want to think that we were challenging him or, or her or invading their territory or, um, but it was either that this swan for some reason came from across the way to, uh, threaten or attack us, or it was a gift from spirit saying, I recognize you. I see you. I love you. And I really believe that our thoughts create our reality. So when I was telling my children about this story, I told them, you know, I can, I can choose to believe that it was a random act from an animal, or I can choose to believe that it was a gift from spirit. And that is what I choose. And I told my husband that was the closest a wild animal has ever come up to me. And my husband's not one to quickly jump to signs and symbols. So he was saying that wild birds come up to him all the time. And when I inquired like where and what kind of wild birds come up to him all the time, he said seagulls at the beach. So (laughs) that could certainly be true, but I did not get the sign that this swan wanted food from us. Um, But when we walked back to the car, you know, maybe it was the exhaustion from this like sadness and this surreal task we just undertook by, you know, walking where I used to walk with my, with my puppy. And now I'm walking there, scattering his ashes. Like it was so surreal. But as I was walking back, I felt like, like the breeze was like holding my hand, you know, it was the sensation that I had never really had before. And it was, it was really, really beautiful. So even though I'm still crying every day and still feeling the loss of my friend, I'm trying to focus on all the other gifts that I'm receiving in his place. And Jeffrey says it's incredibly important when our loved ones pass that we have to let them go so that their souls don't linger here. It can be common for souls who have passed, especially if it was an accident or a traumatic experience or if they have loved ones who are so devastated and holding on so deeply, their souls kind of linger here in the form of what we might consider a ghost. So Jeffrey says it's so important for us to let go of these souls. And of course we're going to grieve them, but we have to accept that they're gone 
and wish them speed on their journey into heaven, on their journey towards the next cosmic adventure. And in this process of holding on, we'll often find ourselves with issues related to our lungs and large intestine. Myself, for example, I you know, tend to get shortness of breath if I'm stressed or, and that's been happening lately in this holding on and this extra emphasis on the metal element of grief. But also constipation is really common when people are grieving and, you know, this is inability to let go. And I experienced it myself and TMI, but I was like eating enough fiber and taking magnesium. I'm like, why the hell isn't my poop regular? But it dawned on me. It's this holding on. So I'm trying to let go and anytime we lose something we always gain life is always like that of course one door closes one door opens like we all know that so it can be a painful process to open our heart up again when it's in pain but i i know that goodness comes and i'm i'm so grateful for the gifts that are coming in its place and the lessons that i'm learning through the story and I'm sorry to come back with such a sad podcast today but grief is a part of all our lives and loss is a part of our lives and I just wanted to share these few things with you in case it could help you and your loved ones during this process and as I mentioned even though this is my first podcast in months I've been thinking about it every day and I feel reinvigorated and ready to go maybe this is part of my letting go and moving forward process, but you guys are going to have to hold me to it. I'm going to come back next week with my wood element podcast, and I already have my wood interview recorded. So I'll be sharing that with you next. And thank you for all of your messages. In the meantime, I've had some people reach out to me, um, just, you know, sharing that the podcast has helped them and that they've learned things. And that lights me up so much that's you know that's really what i i want to do that's my goal so thank you so much for your kind words and thank you for your patience and your grace as well and until we meet again may you feel the blessings all around you thank you